Welcome everyone to the second week of this short series, short three-week series that we're calling Knock Off Gods. It is a series that really addresses what we worship. I mean, truly, honestly, what we really worship. If you missed last week, you want to go catch back up with what you missed so that you have the foundation for what we're going to talk about today and you'll see how all of it ties together because all of it's very, very important as we wrestle with the fact that even without even noticing, without even realizing, we can find ourselves bowing our lives to things other than God. And for a lot of us who say we worship Jesus first and most, this is extremely important because, like I said, it can be very subtle. And so what I want to do is dive into the deep end of the pool real quick here so we can, we've got a lot of ground to cover, but I want to start by talking about what I find to be the biggest challenge or the greatest competitor to our worship of God first and most, like we talked about last week, worshiping God first and most, more specifically following Jesus above all things first and most and letting Jesus in the way of Jesus being the thing that determines all the other things the greatest competitor to that, the greatest challenge to that that I see, and I think if you stop and think about it, you will agree with me if you really kind of spend some time, what's really behind a lot of the challenges we faced, culture. Culture. I mean, right up front, it's, it's just without even noticing, without even realizing it, we bow our lives and are affected and drawn in to culture. And when it comes to worship, culture is a knockoff. Um, I, don't, I don't mean the people. When you think culture, don't think the people in culture necessarily. Think really more so the philosophy of culture, the way of culture, the value system of culture that affects how we see the world and ultimately how we live our lives. When I talk about culture, that's what I'm referring to. Value system, philosophy, the way of culture that drives people. When most people think of culture, they think of people in culture. But I want us to go deeper than that to what drives people. Culture is stronger now than I think it's ever been in an influence in our lives. It's moving faster and changing faster than it ever has been. I think the internet has a lot to do with that. It's a wonderful thing. We benefit from it every day, but the internet, cha the internet changed the way culture influences us, and it's just sped things up. Technology has just sped things up, and more than we realize, we are impacted. We have access to unlimited amounts of information immediately, and we have access to opinions of everybody, not just what I think, what you think, but what everybody thinks. And it all kind of comes together and forms this icky, sticky, melting pot of reality that we live in. And culture affects me, and culture affects you, and culture affects Christians and non-Christians and people who go to church and people who don't go to church. Nobody's immune. Nobody gets a pass. 
But what we do need to do is wake up and realize just how much we are impacted by the philosophy, the value system, and the way of culture. Especially because as followers of Jesus, and even if you're not a follower of Jesus, and I think most of you would claim to be followers of Jesus or you're interested in following Jesus, and even if you're not though, you would agree with what I'm getting ready to say because if you're gonna follow Jesus, then you really should pay attention to Jesus and follow Jesus, right? Follow him. Everybody would kind of agree with that, in, at least in theory. And this is so important when it comes to culture because Jesus was counterculture. Jesus was counterculture. He could not be more counterculture than he was in the first century, almost in every way. And, and I would say that Jesus still is very much counterculture, even to today's culture. And we say we follow him. And as followers of Jesus, we cannot look to culture and the philosophy of the world, the value system of the world, and let it call the shots for how we live our lives because we say we follow Jesus. Now, Listen very carefully. Don't get the wrong idea. Jesus was counterculture, but that does not mean Jesus was weird, and it does not mean that Jesus was against culture. That's different. A lot of people think, oh, yeah, the counterculture way of Jesus just means we're going to be different for the sake of being different. No, that's just weird. I grew up in a culture, I grew up in a church culture where we were different for the sake of being different, and we were very weird. And I don't mean the good kind of Jesus freak. I mean the freaky kind of Jesus freak. I mean, I look back on the way I grew up, and I'm like, man, wow. I mean, that's just, whoo. We were different just for the sake of being different. Listen, Jesus was different, but he wasn't different for the sake of being different. He was different with a purpose, and he was different because he was counterculture in a way that was helpful, in a way that was clarifying, in a way that was transformative. And it also doesn't mean against. Jesus was not against culture. We assume a lot of times that to follow Jesus means we must be against culture and go around picking fights in the name of Jesus. No, that's not what Jesus did. It's not what Jesus asked us to do. Some of the most obnoxious, cantankerous, difficult people are Jesus followers. And they do it in the name of Jesus and they're against culture. I'm like, no, you're not following the same Jesus because Jesus wasn't against culture. Being against culture is not what Jesus was about. It's not about canceling, right? I'm going to cancel them. I'm going to boycott, okay? I'm going to boycott culture. I'm going to boycott things I don't agree with. I'm going to shun people. I'm going to isolate, right? Because, oh, yeah, no, you can't do that. You can't do it if you're going to follow Jesus because Jesus wasn't weird, even though he was different. And Jesus certainly was not against culture. In fact, Jesus had a specific response to culture when he surveyed culture. Matthew records one day when Jesus was looking out on the crowds, just in general, just, just kind of surveying what he saw, and he had compassion on them. He wasn't ticked. He wasn't mad. He wasn't disappointed. He wasn't saying, that's it, I'm out of here. Look at that, it's a mess. Now he had compassion. His heart broke because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Confused. You ever get confused? You ever feel confused? Sometimes I look at culture, the value system and the philosophy and the way of culture, and I get confused. Yeah. 
I get confused. I find myself going, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the way to respond here. I, I don't know what to say next. I don't, I don't know what, what, what's the right way. What's the right way to respond? What's the best way to handle this? What's the best way to, you ever, you ever felt that way? Yeah, I bet you have. Well, at least if you think things through. And you ever get to a point where you're just like, I feel helpless. I just don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And so we end up saying nothing and we end up doing nothing. But we say we follow Jesus and yet we feel helpless to do so. Jesus looked at the world, and you talk about a world, a culture, where people are so confused, so confused, and they're, and they're afraid to admit that they're confused, and they feel helpless, and they don't know what to say and what to do. They're afraid to say anything, afraid to do anything, because, I mean, it's like you're attacked if you do anything. You're attacked, and you're put in a, a category if you say anything about anything in any way. And so, Jesus, yes, he was counterculture, but he was full of compassion and full of love. He was not weird. He was not against. And we follow him. You see, Jesus was counterculture because Jesus lived according to a different value system altogether. A different set of priorities that drove his ministry and drove his life. And it looked like this. Jesus' value system was based on this right here. First and foremost, Jesus had a love for God that was expressed through a love for other people. And then, on top of that, Jesus was selfless. He put himself last. He was selfless. And this is how you summarize what Jesus was all about. He began with a love for God that was expressed through a love for other people. He equated the two. Jesus made it very clear. You can't say you love God if you're not loving to people. You cannot say you love God and shun people and isolate people and cancel people and boycott people. You cannot do that and say you love God. Because love God, loving God, is expressed through a love for other people. That doesn't mean you're going to agree on everything, and we'll get to that in a minute, but... Jesus equated a love for God and a love for others, and that's how he expressed his love for God. You see, you don't just express your love for God by singing songs about God and praying and going to church and you know, isolating yourself from the world and just thinking God thoughts all the time, right? Nothing wrong with that if that's you know, what you felt like you should do, but practically speaking, a love for God is expressed through love for others, and then Jesus was selfless. The only one in the world that had every right to say, this is about me, because he really was about him. He was selfless. His mission statement was this. He said, I did not come to be served, John records this, John chapter 10, but to serve others, to give myself for others. That's the whole mission statement of Jesus. And if we are going to follow Jesus, followers of Jesus must have the same value system the same philosophy, the same way that Jesus lived his life. It begins with a love for him, a love for Jesus, because Jesus is God in flesh and bone and blood. So a love for Jesus that's expressed with a love for others. You can't say you love Jesus if you don't love each other. John said you're a liar and the truth is not in you if you say you love God whom you don't see, can't see, and, and you don't love your brother, your sister, whom you see all the time. You're a liar. You've mixed this thing up. You don't know what the truth is. That Jesus equated those two. And if we're going to follow Jesus, that's got to be our value system. This has got to be how we live our lives. If we've worshiped Jesus first and most, we will also then put ourselves last. Put others first. 
We will put ourselves last, a selflessness. Jesus said the greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest are those who serve and give and invest in the lives of others. You say, well, what about me then? What's gonna happen to me? I mean, if, if, I, if I follow Jesus and I put myself last, what's gonna happen to me? Well, it's a great question, and Jesus addressed that time and time again. He just basically said, I'll take care of you. You follow me, I'll take care of you. You seek my kingdom first and all the things that that means, and I will see to it that you are cared for. Yeah. This is so important, and we'll spend the rest of our time kind of unpacking this next part because... Jesus' philosophy, his value system, and we say we worship Jesus first and most, was love for God, expressed through love for others, and then a selflessness. Culture flips that. The biggest competitor, the biggest challenge to worshiping Jesus first and most and following him and figuring out what that looks like. Culture begins with a love for self. That's where it starts. That's the cultural system. That's the way it was in the first century. And man, can you not see it today? A love for self and maybe others, maybe. I mean, it's great to love other people. That's great. We like to talk about it, but we've got to start with me. I've got to start with me. I've got to start with me. And as long as you don't challenge me, then maybe you too. And then if i got any room left in my life, any room left, I mean, because, you know, we're all spiritual people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just, Religion, that's good. If you got room for love for God, great. Maybe, 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 maybe you just, if it fits, right? You just, we'll get to there. But it begins with a love for self. Our culture's philosophy is driven by a me-centered way of living. And it happens without even realizing. And it sneaks up on you and it sounds good, but it's not the way of Jesus. Jesus was countercultural, and the culture says a love for self. What I think is most important, and what I feel, and what I believe, and what I want, and what I desire, and what I feel is right for me, and what I feel is best for me, that's what we're told by our culture. And Jesus was counter that, and he lived it out. And then we spiritualize it. We spiritualize it, and we say things like, and I hear people say this all the time, I just got to think that God would want me, God would want me to, wouldn't God want me to, when they fill in the blank. I think God would want me to feel this in life. I think God would want me to have this in life. I just got to think that Jesus would, it's interesting that everybody thinks that Jesus agrees with them. I have a tendency to think the same thing, right? But we disagree. We don't see eye to eye, but yet Jesus agrees with all of us. I don't know how that works, logically, right? And so I just got to think that God would want and God would ask and God would think, what, just like you? Just like me? Let me tell you what God wants. Let me summarize what God wants for you and God wants for me. He wants us to follow Jesus. And Jesus was countercultural. It begins with a love for self. That's our culture. A love for self. You put yourself first. And maybe you love others as long as they don't challenge you, as long as they don't disagree with you, and as long as they don't bring hurt into your life. If they disagree with you, or if they challenge you, or if they hurt you, then you shun, you isolate, you walk the other way, except Jesus never did that. And then 
The culture says, after a love for self, if you got any, if you got any room left and you're into that kind of thing, right, and you can find, you can fit God in, a love for God, hey, to each his own, that's fine. I mean, if that brings, you know, that brings purpose to your life, great. Maybe. I mean, and, and people are like, oh yeah, I love God. Well, as long as, as long as, you know, it works for me. As long as it fits. And if it doesn't fit, and when it challenges what it is I want for me and what I believe for me and what I, yeah. See, you see, Jesus was counterculture, okay? And our culture is a love for self first. And it's very subtle and sneaky. And it happens even to Christians. It happens without even realizing it. A love for self first. And then God, maybe. So when you take that philosophy, Okay, let me, let me just buckle up. You, you, you might want to buckle up for this next part. Yeah, you've been warned. When you take that philosophy of a love for self and maybe others and then love for God, yeah, as long as it fits and it works for me, and you come to the pressing issues of truth and morality, then according to culture, you start with yourself, right? Which... What's, what's my truth? What's my truth? What is right for me? And you have to figure out what your truth is and what's right for you, and I have to figure out what my truth is and what's right for me. But I got a question for you. What happens if my truth and your truth don't line up? What if my truth is, is bad for you and your truth is bad for me? What if I disagree with your truth and what if you disagree with my truth? And we see in our culture, if you disagree with someone, that's considered hate speech. Just if you disagree, just if you say, no, I don't think that's right. No, I don't think that's the best. No, I don't, I don't think that's right, or I don't think that's wise. Then all of a sudden, you're discriminating against someone just because you disagree with them. How messed up is that? Jesus was counterculture. And if the culture says truth and morality begins with self, what's the counter of that? What's the, Jesus said, no, 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 this begins with a love for God, honoring God. God helps us determine truth and morality. And yes, that's expressed with a love for other people because you're not going to be jerks. We can't be unkind. We cannot be unloving to one another. We cannot say we're right with God if we are unloving to our brothers and sisters, but that does not mean we're all going to see eye to eye. What that means is that we got to keep coming back to the way of Jesus. Time and time and time again, he is the North Star. He is our true north. He sets the course for us in truth and morality. In our culture, uh, love, right? Love. And our, our culture says, well, first of all, you got to love you. Love you. Love you. Be good to you. Be true to you. All right? And everybody else can go jump in the lake if they disagree with you. Okay? Because you, 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 you. And maybe God, as long as God <laughs> agrees with you. Right? And we don't come right out and say it that way, but that's the philosophy in which we live, the world in which we live. We see it. Uh, when it comes to Sex and identity, uh, those are two different things, by the way. Sex and uh, issues of sex and questions about sex and questions about identity uh, and, and all that kind of stuff, those are different conversations, but our culture lumps them together. Our culture in 2023 lumps sex and identity together. And so since our culture lumps them together, let's just talk about them together, and I'll just give you this broad stroke of reality. When it comes to questions of sex and identity, our culture says you start with yourself. Who's to say, who's to say, who's to say what you feel and what you think and what's good for you and what's not? You are. That's where our culture says you are. That starts with you and then we go to God. Well, Jesus 
flip that, right? Jesus, no, 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 no. God sets context for our lives. We look at God's design and God's intended context for our lives. And then, and then, and then we look at ourselves. See, it, you, gotta, you gotta get the right order. We say we worship Jesus first and most. Well, then what does Jesus teach us about these issues? Truth, morality, love, sex, identity, marriage, right? The culture says marriage is you, you, as long as it works for you, as long as it's good for you. But, but Jesus made it very clear that there is a spiritual component to marriage. There is a God component to marriage that must be considered first and, force, first and foremost over all things. It's, it's, it's challenging, isn't it? No wonder we're confused. No wonder we're confused. No wonder we feel helpless. Because we've got these, these opposing philosophies. You've got the counterculture way of Jesus, and then you've got the culture. And we're more impacted by the culture than we care to admit. Same thing when it comes to job and career and money. Right? Jesus saw money in a countercultural way. Didn't see it as something to get and to acquire, but something to be used for the good of others. Your dreams and goals. You start, our philosophy of our culture is just you, you follow your dreams and your goals. Don't let anybody get in the way of your dreams. Number one, you look out for number one. And Jesus was like, no, my dream and my goal is others. I've given myself for others and I'm asking you to take up your own cross and follow me as we live for the good of the world. Not for ourselves. Now, in the first century, when Paul the Apostle, who was leading so much of the charge of trying to help first century Christians figure out what it looked like to live the way of Jesus, to, to deal with their culture, which even though the, uh, there were differences between first century culture and 21st century culture, there's a lot more similarities than differences, much more than you would realize. I mean, these people that Paul was writing to, these Christians per se in Rome, let's just take that example. Just the Christians in Rome that Paul was writing to, to help them understand what it looks like in this melting pot of a culture that they were living in. This melting pot of you know, the Roman Empire and its power and then all of the pantheon of gods of the Greek world and all of that just mixing together, it left people confused and helpless and Jesus, out of compassion and love, sent people like Paul to clarify how Christians should process life in that context. And it could not be more true for our context and our culture today. Here's what Paul says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of all the things that God has done for us, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, sacrifice, people knew. Sacrifice involved uh, a, a dead animal, a, a lamb, sheep, goat, dove. And, and you would sacrifice in worship. And, and Paul has already taught that Jesus was the final sacrifice. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, he was the final sacrifice. There's no need for other sacrifice. He is the perfect sacrifice. No longer do we need to do that. And so, but, but he borrowed this phrase, sacrifice, and he put a different spin on it. He said, in fact, what Jesus asks for us, what God wants for us is to be a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. For us to say, here's my life, God. Here's my life. Here's my thinking and my believing and my doing and, and my intentions and my goals and my decisions. Here's my life. And I offer it to you. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You know the, the, the true way to worship? 
What worship really is about, it's not about singing songs to Jesus, singing songs about God, and that's all good, and that has a part of it, but worship is mostly about saying, God, here's my life, here's my living, here's my breathing, here's my thinking, here's my doing, here's my decisions, here's my past, present, and future, which really happens Monday through Saturday, not with an hour on Sunday. An hour on Sunday is great, glad y'all are here, hope you come back. <laughs> Some of you are like, well, not after this. Okay, <laughs> all right, fine. You're not following me. I'm not asking you to follow me. I'm just going to challenge us all to follow the counterculture way of Jesus. And you do with that what you will. But that's really what worship is about. And then he says this. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Do not conform. The word conform there it gives you the picture of a mold, something being pressed into the mold. Think Play-Doh. Think Silly Putty. Think Jello. Think something that's poured into a mold and takes the shape of whatever it's poured into. If you look at my life and your life and Christians' lives and lives of people in the church, all too often, if you were to hear what we say, we say we follow Jesus first and most. But if you look at our lives, we've been molded into the philosophy and the culture of the world around us. And Paul says, don't, 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 don't be pressed into the to the mold and conform to the philosophy and the way of thinking and living in the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. Constant rethinking, rethinking, rethinking over and over and over again. Wait a second, what is the counterculture way of Jesus? I see what culture says. I see what culture wants. I see what culture is about and I see what they're saying and I hear what they're saying, but what is the counterculture way of Jesus? And that's not always a black and white kind of thing. It often takes a lot of thinking and a lot of teasing out and a lot of working through and a lot of conversations and a lot of prayer and a lot of courage. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then, when we consider the counterculture way of Jesus not being conformed to the mold of the world, but allow ourselves to follow Jesus first and most, and allow him to mold our lives, following his example, that's when we discover how God really wants us to live. I, I, I want to leave you with a question. All of this builds up to one question. It's a biggie. Not only is it weighty, it's actually a big question. There's a lot of words to it. So I'm going to put it on the screen. I'm going to challenge you to get your phone out and take a picture of it. Because here's the deal. I want this question, I want to challenge you to allow this question to start conversations. This is a question. We don't have time to fully answer the question right now. I just want to point you in the right direction. The best direction to consider the answer to this question. Remember, we follow Jesus first and most. Remember, we worship him. Remember, the culture doesn't call the shots. If we follow Jesus, Jesus calls the shots in our lives. So how does following the countercultural way of Jesus? It's countercultural. So it begins with love for God first. It's expressed through a love for others. And then selflessness, self-last. How does the countercultural way of Jesus impact what I believe, what I think, what I say, what I do in regards to, and this is blank for a reason. How does the counterculture way of Jesus impact what you believe? I'm asking you what you believe and what you think and what you say and what you do. Because the counterculture way of Jesus has got to impact. It will impact. You cannot, use, you cannot say you 
you know, I, I follow Jesus, and yet you don't follow the counterculture way of Jesus. You don't give that a nod. In fact, if you call yourself a Christian and you have no intentions whatsoever to actually follow Jesus, then stop calling yourself a Christian, please. Please. It's just adding to the confusion. Adding to the, the feelings of helplessness. I don't know what to do. So the counterculture way of Jesus, how does it impact what I believe, think, say, and do in regards to? So, well, what goes in the blank? Anything you want to put in that blank. Anything. In fact, everything. I challenge you, I welcome you to put everything in that blank. Everything. And ask, what is the countercultural way? So when it comes to, when it comes to Jesus' way, how does Jesus' countercultural way impact what I believe, think, say, and do when it comes to truth and morality? Go back to the list we had on the screen a few minutes ago. Truth and morality. Love. Sex and identity. What is the countercultural way of Jesus? Lead me to believe and then think, which impacts what I say and what I do in regards to these things. I mean, you keep going right down the list. Money, jobs, career, my goals, marriage and relationships, politics, and all. Let's just, let's just get really personal for a second. All the issues, the hot button issues, the big issues, the issues that cause us to be against one another, which is not what Jesus would have us do. The issues in our culture, that if we follow the way of the culture, we shun, we isolate, we cancel one another over the hot button issues. So what we need to do is come with an open mind and an open heart and an open Bible, which helps us understand the way of Jesus and ask, what is the counterculture? Because it was countercultural. Jesus' way was countercultural then. It's countercultural now. What is the countercultural way of Jesus? Lead me to think, believe, and say and do in regards to. Let's put, um, let's put race in this blank. Because that's a hot topic for today, isn't it? Personally, I'm, in, I'm embarrassed that we're still having this conversation about race. What does the counterculture way of Jesus lead us to believe about people that are different than we are? Think differently, live differently, look differently. Put anything there. What's another? We could put abortion in this blank. If you put a, there's another hot topic. Hearing more and more about it all the time. What is the countercultural way? No, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not asking what does culture say? What do the Republicans say? What do the Democrats say? What do the conservatives say? What do the liberals say? What women say? What men say? What that group says, what your mama says, what your grandma says, what you've always thought, what your friends say. I'm not asking you. I'm asking the count. What does the countercultural way of Jesus lead us to believe, think, say, and do in regards to things like abortion? How about our brothers and sisters in the LGBT community, in our culture, and in our church. You see, what's, what's really quick for me and you to do 
is to look in the mirror and say, well, I know what I think. I know what I believe. And, and then paste Jesus' face on that and say, I'm sure he would agree. I'm sure he would agree. I'm sure, wait, 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 wait. Jesus was counter-cultural, okay? Counter-cultural. So not, not so fast, not so fast. We have to have this discussion. And what has to form the discussion is not what I think and my opinions and you think and your opinions, but we have to come with an open heart and an open mind and an open Bible and come back to the countercultural way of Jesus and say, what does that lead us to think and believe, say and do? And that's going to involve a lot of discussion. I welcome that discussion. I invite you to be a part of that discussion. But we could go on. What if we put healthcare here? Again, anything and everything goes in this blank. I don't, I don't think there's anything that shouldn't go in this blank. What if you put healthcare here? What is the countercultural way? That's a big issue. You're going to hear more and more about it in the next couple of years. Warning. Got an election coming up. What if we put war here? What is the countercultural way of Jesus teaches about war? What if we put gun control, gun violence, gun rights? What if we put all that in there? What happens then? Oh, now you go, wait, 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 just chill. You just chill. It's a question. What about immigration? Put immigration here. We'll put the economy here. Whatever's a big issue to you, whatever's the big issues in cultures, it doesn't matter. We are followers of Jesus, which means we take everything in life and we submit it to the countercultural way of Jesus that begins with a love for God and it's expressed with a love for others and doesn't mean we're always gonna agree on everything, but we will not be unkind, we will not be unloving, we will not shun, we will not isolate, we will not be against each other in the name of being holy. Jesus was not known for what he was against, he was known for who he was for. What's that look like? Those are big conversations. I can't promise you I've got all clear answers on everything and I understand everything and everything's black and white. No, but I can tell you that everything needs to be couched in the conversation of the countercultural way of Jesus. Let's learn to have that discussion, which means we have to put our opinions aside, our personal opinions aside, and we consider what Jesus taught, what Jesus commanded, what Jesus modeled, what Jesus said. And by the way, if you want to talk about what Jesus would say and what Jesus would do in our context in this culture, know this. The greatest indicator of what Jesus would say and do is what Jesus actually said and did. So let's consider the counter-cultural way of Jesus and never settle for a knockoff, which is culture. Not against it. We look with compassion and love, but we submit ourselves as followers of Jesus to his countercultural way. Let's pray. Father, we need your help on this one. This is icky, sticky stuff. Uh, man, this is uh, personal. May we not allow ourselves to be pressed into the mold of the philosophy and the way of culture which elevates self above all things and fits you in, maybe. 
But may we follow Jesus where we begin with you and your way as it's expressed with love for others. And may we put ourselves and our opinions and our assumptions and all of that, our own personal demands and wants and everything, last. And may we bring everything to your countercultural way. Give us courage, because it's going to take some courage. Give us patience and grace with each other. May we have the conversation. May we discuss this together. May we not run to our sides and our opinions and our assumptions and point the finger to the other side. May we open our hearts, open our minds, and open the scriptures and consider together the counter-cultural way of our Savior in everything and in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.